<laughs> Howdy, y'all. This is the Market Fire Podcast. I am Danny. I am joined today by our junior co-host, Big Man. I'm also known as Big D. By the way, Big Man, we are live today on uh, November 15th, but in the lower thirds, we're the Ooh, ninth. Oh, I'll fix that. Hey, we're doing right. it live. What are you going to do, man? We got a bunch of fun stories for you today. I'm just going to do a rundown like the old days. Subway is is adding vending machines. Danny's prediction, Subway stops existing as a normal place, becomes a ghost kitchen franchise with vending machines all over the place. Makes a lot more sense. Probably the smartest thing they did since they hired and then fired Jared. <laughs> um, uh, Mike Tyson and Evander Holyfield, uh, they're going to team up and create a edible product of a, a, in the shape of an ear. So um, I am just praying to the Christ that the asteroid hits us as soon as possible. Uh, um, I find it wonderful and hilarious all at the same time. Uh-huh. Well, you were probably closer to a teenager or an adult when he bit that guy's ear off. But we'll, oh, we'll no, I was a full-grown adult, and we'll get into that story when we get into that story. Um, another billionaire, Jeff Bezos, promises to give his wealth away. I'm sure we're going to find out sooner than later it's not a tax avoided scheme, <laughs> right? Okay. Then we're going to jump into a little more SBF news and FTX stuff. Um, I don't have that in my notes. That's big man. And then, um, hey, the supply chain looks like it's healing just as we're going into an economic downturn that will surely end our country's history as a country where we turn into a bunch of other small countries. Balkanization, it's on its way. All it's going to take is a little help from the economy and the downturn. Sure, sure. Danny, you love your conspiracy theories. But anyway, mm. <laughs> we'll, I'm sure we'll get into a couple of those today. So subway machines, right? So yeah. I sent Danny this story, and this is the one you told me was already on the list for? No, no, no. Okay. This was None of them were already on the list when you sent them. So I sent Danny this story because I found it interesting. This, um, apparently, I'd never seen this before until this story, which literally was yesterday, I think came out yesterday or day before yesterday. Um, everybody knows that franchises, your McDonald's, your fast food joints of the world try different things in certain markets, right? Like, right. I don't remember, like KFC has a particular little town that everything they try starts there. Yeah. And McDonald's has the same thing. Like there's certain towns that they pick for certain reasons. Yeah, that... so. Go ahead. No, no, I was going to say, so like, for instance, they have the McDonald's like premier locations. I don't know what they're, they mm -hmm. have a, they have a like word for it. Like Starbucks has the Starbucks black label locations. Right. And then, McDonald's does like these, like it's like San Francisco and Seattle and all the places where I'm not allowed to visit because <laughs> you take one crap on the sidewalk outside and it, and if you're sane and sober, they're like, "What would you do that?" Well, but it's all <sighs> data driven, right? Like it's all yeah. data driven, being that okay, if it works here for some reason statistically, it, it works, works everywhere else, right? Yeah, so like you'll you'll see uh, something like that in a in Shark Tank. You know, they'll be like, oh, we, we did a hundred store test with Costco. We sold out three times. They reordered four times and then they right. expanded us in the rest of Costco. Taco Bell did this recently. Taco Bell um, in my home state of Minnesota in Brooklyn Park or Brooklyn Center. Listen, either of those cities, if it starts with Brooklyn Center or uh, it doesn't matter, don't go to them. OK, <laughs> so the only reason I've ever gone to Brooklyn, one of them, I forget which one it was. 
was because that's the only place they had a KNG Men's Mart where they sold suits in my size. <laughs> but they were Steve Harvey suits, so they had too many buttons. So we couldn't. Anyway, the point is, is they started this apparently a couple of years ago. They started it in California of all places, college campus, which I would think would be a great. What we're talking about here is Subway is, is currently uh, dealing with the idea of pre-making sandwiches, putting them in a refrigerated vending machine of sorts, along with other things, cold drinks, chips, whatever, right. essentially a lunch refrigerated vending machine and then putting them in high traffic locations and selling them directly from there which on the surface i agree with danny is a a, not a bad idea at all if you've got a streamlined obviously streamlined menu you keep it to very high profile kind of stuff and you keep it in airports train stations college campuses right that kind of stuff I doubt you're going to see one of these ever outside of your local Walmart or CVS or or places like that that you may see a red box or or that kind of stuff. Yeah, I I'm I'm of the mindset that the US is preparing for the Japanification of vending. <clears throat> J- Japan is a country where if you go, they have and there's so many videos on YouTube where you can find this stuff out where westerners go to japan and they explore the vending machine culture sure if if there's one thing i hate about society it's that we've attached the word culture to literally anything and like (laughs) well i think it depicts a following right when i hear the word culture i think and there are people that follow look we've all been to reddit or tiktok or anything else and seen these insanely crazy a robot gives you a scoop of ice cream and then the robot hands it to you or whatever so i think there's definitely a following for these insane crazy vending machines um obviously americans like the stuff like i can never order out of a vending machine because i like my sandwiches a certain way right which is not normal so that kind of stuff. Look, I think this is half, hey, here's an idea that, like you said, we're, we're copying from other places. I think right. the other half of it is is Subway and, and companies like it. It wouldn't surprise me if there was a McDonald's version of this, a Quiznos version of this, a Jimmy John's. Quiznos. Dude, I haven't heard about Quiznos <laughs> since, since um, Jersey Mike's came in and just ate everybody's Quiznos. Well, um, my point though is, is I, it wouldn't surprise me if this is a way for them to look. The pandemic hurt a lot of mm. these sandwich places because of workers, because of the pandemic, because of all that stuff. And, and I some think of us, some of us were concerned about buying meat that was cold. I mean, until sure, I think until April of 2020, if I was going out to buy anything, it was exclusively Chick Fil A because for whatever reason. <laughs> I trust their Jesus chicken over there, right? <laughs> it's got it's sugar so in it. Sugar kills everything. Um, but the the point though is is this gives them a way to and look, they're rebounding, right? They've add they're back to adding stores instead of closing them. Their yeah. profits are up as far as the company is concerned. These type of vending machines have been growing in profit margins where they placed them and stuff like that obviously but i think this is a way for if another and i'm not saying another pandemic but something else happens where people aren't going out buying sandwiches for another year or so this actually levels the playing field a lot right and continues income so what i think 
is that with so subway was a in my mind was a pioneer of fast casual um and the reason i say subway was a pioneer of fast casual was i had never seen this business model where you know my favorite one of my favorite comedy bits of all time is sebastian maniscalco mm-hmm. talking about walking into a subway and he's like he's in the the woman in front of him doesn't know what she's doing and she, he goes, step one, pick bread. You don't see that. <laughs> I mean, but after that came mm-hmm. Chipotle. After that came, it, you know, Subway in a lot of ways cratered the business of sub shops of my. Well, youth, and burrito Olympies, shops and yeah, all that know. stuff. But I'm just saying um, their model was innovative. And what happens with an innovative business? We saw this with like Microsoft as a great example. There was about 20 years there where their their innovation was subpar. Um, but they get in, but they're large enough. A company like Microsoft Subway, they have enough locations, they have enough, they have enough um capital that they can survive a rebranding. They have to they have to find out that they have to find their piece of innovation again. They get new leadership. So the reason I think this is smart, and there's a gal on she's all over. He she talks about how. Um, there's boomers, they're retiring, their kids don't want their businesses. Just like when you were coming up, nobody wanted their dad's ranch, right? right. You guys want, you guys wanted to move to the city and go be yuppies. Sure. Um, and now people in my generation and younger is like, we need land. We need a ranch. <laughs> I need to see somebody slaughter the animal in front right. of me. So right. I know it's not fake meat coming from a lab. Um, and, uh, that transition, I think, you know, she talks about how you can go buy a business. Her name is Cody Sanchez, I believe. Um, and she did a reel or TikTok or something. I saw it on reels um, or a YouTube short where she's in a airport and she sees a salad. It's a, I swear it was on Shark Tank. It's a salad vending machine and they, it has, it comes in a glass jar. And she just sat there going, the average salad, I think the average one was 15 bucks or something sure. obnoxious. This is a avocado toast level event. Okay. Right. Um, and it's a whatever. And it's a, in a jar. And um, so she's doing the math. And she's like, I've been sitting here for an hour. And in that hour, they sold, I don't know, 50 salads. And she's doing the math. And you go... You know, if you have this many flights per day and it's all that she's like, so this is how much money this thing is making. And it's just a stupid salad vending machine in an airport. Mm-hmm. I'm starting to go in, you know, the the fear that um, that was struck in our hearts. Automation is going to kill all the jobs. It's not going to. But here's the point. Somebody still has to make the sandwich and fill the vending machine. Right. Yeah, but so, in those kind of locations like an airport, like a college campus, people are very used to spending convenience store pricing, right? Where if I go over here to Subway, I want to spend the 5 or $10 for, you know what I mean, or whatever. But if I'm in an airport, a six-inch sub, somebody's going to pay 15 bucks for it easy, and your right. profit margins go up insanely, right? Yeah, and here's what I believe. If Subway is smart about this and they start taking a path that's all you have to do is start using the buzzwords organic farm to table and right. the yuppies will start shelling out the money because the big scandal that 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 subway had recently was 
everyone found out their food isn't even some of their options like tuna and other things <laughs> wasn't tuna was or it? wasn't really food like you know somebody pointed out to me the taco bell like the the 60 percent of everything that you buy is just soy right? right 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 yeah it's all dried out and then rehydrated at the stores yeah but look again is anybody should anybody be surprised that subway and the prices that you get for subway is huh. not 100 percent meatball or tuna or what yeah. like is this really surprising for your average person like is this is this sure. really something that should be this is not a conversation now i will say that subway because of those scandals because of that kind of stuff every decent restaurant fast food goes through periods where they get a bad rap for something jack in the box for the example almost went mm -hmm. extinct in the 90s when it was bought by a big corporation an asian corporation and then it was it went through a bunch of scandals about how certain meat and they got accused of be, being used uh using horse meat instead of all beef and all this stuff and it almost killed jack in the box and then the original owner of jack in the box came back and bought it back and now it's back to Jack in the Box for the, you know what I mean. So yeah. Subway is due for a revamp, and if they yeah, revamp really and they come out with this kind of stuff, and they go, okay, here's a bunch of uppity, right? Right. Uh, you know, Blackhawk smoked ham, blah blah blah, in these kind of things, and you can only find them in these kind of places. And then right. you go, here's our Subway, like on um. What is it, Uber Black or right, where you get a fancier yeah. car? Uber Eats, yeah. Yeah, here's our, but no, 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 where you get a fancier yeah, 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 car, yeah. right, instead yeah. of the Uber normal Black, somebody, yeah. right, or Uber Black, you you get a Subway Black restaurant or, yeah. or thing where it's, it's you know what I mean, a second it's the tier. It's exclusive, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, a higher People tier. will still come in and buy the meatball sub, but you're going to get those people that come in and buy the premier oh. meatball sub, right? Whatever it is. And so the other thing too is like I, I think this is a strategy where they can up the quality of their food product, mm -hmm. and I think that that's what they have to do. I don't think they have a future without that. And all, all you really do when it comes to this is you make the sandwich dry, and you include packets of whatever, right. and you just say, and that's how you avoid making it gross. Right. And whatever's um, popular in that part of the country, whether it's mustard or mayonnaise or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Right. Whatever the popularity of it is. Um, but that would be good for, re, uh, for revamping. Now they also, the problem that Subway has being obviously a huge franchise model is they are now doing what a lot of franchises are doing. They're having to wrangle in their franchisees. Yeah. Franchisees have gotten out of hand. They were treating employees bad. They were treating customers right. poorly. They were, you know, what I mean? like the the food quality wasn't going down. Not just going downhill because of the food, but because of the places it was being done and used or, and that kind I of mean, stuff. I mean, in my one of my apartments in Austin, within the complex there was a Subway, right? And I walked in and it said franchisee and it said the name Sanjay something or other. And I was like, oh, this is not going to be good. And of course, they're using day-old stale bread because the, the guy working there was like, dude, they don't – he just tells me to use the bread from yesterday. He doesn't let me make any more. Yeah, use it until it's gone instead of complying with the, the yeah, with rules, rules of so many hours. Fresh. And... But you know, the other thing too is if you look at it this way, um, Subway try is not a place that you walk in for breakfast necessarily, right? Right. But – in order to so if i'm a franchisee and most of these franchisees don't own one store they own several 
So you go to a, a franchisee and you say, listen, close 30% of your stores. And what we're going to do is we're going to transfer some of that staff and we're going to put a ghost kitchen or something in one of them. The, and then they're just, it, so you're going to close 30% of your stores and replace it with three vending machines. And you're going to move some of that staff into your other stores. They're going to be wrapping sandwiches for the vending machines. And then you're going to stick one kid on delivery and fill. And that's how, and I think this is a brilliant strategy for them in, because they have to now compete with these, what I would call better sandwich places. I mean, dude, you're not telling me what we're going to subway over Jimmy John's. <laughs> they put, you yeah, say Chick-fil-A I, puts sugar in their food. I'm sure that's true. They do. They I don't put know. it in the batter. That's that, that very well may be true. We don't know this. We can't prove this, but it's a thought. Pretty sure Jimmy John's put crack in that bread. Pretty sure. <laughs> just not a ton. Well, Subway's ton, bread a... is so much sugar in Subway's bread that in places in Europe, they can't yeah. call it bread. It's like, not bread. That, yeah, that, it's that's, you know, it's, it's yeah, cake. Yeah. So yeah. look, the here's the deal. I'm not a big, huge, cold sandwich person. Like if I wanted a sandwich, I would eat it at home or make one at home. Why would I pay $10 for a Jimmy John sandwich when it's just ham and you know what I mean? Whatever. Um, yeah. What you're saying is true. I like hot sandwiches. I always have. So if I'm going to eat a sandwich, I like it hot, which is, yeah, I know, but every text of Philadelphia in Austin got cl- is closed. Right. Right. <laughs> right. I liked going to that place. It was good. But it's Philadelphia is good. You know, what I mean? but look, here's the point, though. Uh, I think there's there's some promise here if their idea is to wrangle in. I would like to see one of their franchisee contracts because like your big right. ones like McDonald's and these other places are like, look, you're going to abide by our standards or you're going to get out. Right. Right. Like we're going to like McDonald's, for example, if you don't abide by their standards, their rules, they have it in their contracts. They can take your restaurant. Now, they have to buy it back from you, but it's not going to be for market value. It's going to be for whatever they say it is. And they're just going to take it over now that it's been there for 10 years. Right. Right. Um, And they're going to turn around to one of their other franchisees who's a huge operator and they're going to flip it to the to that other operator. That's that's a compl- that's a good that's good at compliance. They're gonna flip it to that other operator, and they're gonna make a couple of bucks on the spread. But guess what? You're leasing the land under your restaurant from McDonald's, exactly. so they can control that. Now I don't know how Subway's using strip malls has been my experience in a standalone unit. Yeah, but you can still if you've got it in your contracts that you can leverage. Hey, we're gonna take this away from you because Subway is what you got, right? Like yeah. you're relying on a. You're not gonna lose your Subway license, right? Your franchise yeah. model and be Bob Sandwiches tomorrow. That's not yeah. the way it's gonna work. So they nope. need to. They need to go. Okay, we need to step back a little bit from sales of franchises. Put right. somebody in charge of quality control with the franchises we have and put some leverage on them to go, all right, clean up your act or we're going to start right. cracking down. So so what happens in a lot of these situations with, with bigger companies? Now, um, you and I, I don't know if you knew him, but I did. He was a Jimmy John's franchisee. He owned a bunch of them, or three or four of them, I think. And one thing he noticed was, I think that Jimmy John's guy sold his sold his portion of he okay. doesn't didn't own it anymore and what he was saying was immediately the like the the requirements i i don't i don't recall all of this so i might be incorrect don't quote me on it basically that 
he either they sold it or Jimmy John, the guy was trying to make more money. So they just started cutting the quality of the, the food. And my thing is your customers notice that, right? So, 100%. So, so Subway lost its way because at one point in time, there was a guy named Jared and he, listen. That was uh, a long time ago, like long time ago. But hey, th- listen, Subway entered my consciousness because of Jared. Right. right. Your generation, that's that. that Listen, when you were a teenager, out, Jared yeah. was a thing. Right. He turned out to be a complete pervo and a criminal. Yeah. Um, aside from that fact, it would, you know, they they had this reputation that they had developed because of him, that they were somehow a healthier option. Correct. Now, if they can recapture that mental space in the mind of the consumer, by creating salads because that salad company that was on, uh, you know, that I was talking about before I, that I think was on shark tank. Guess what? They don't have the capital power. They don't have the manpower. They don't have anything to capture the market the way. So Subway, instead of looking at this as we're just going to soak more crappy sandwiches says, we're going to make that pivot back to where now the larger share of, the populace, my generation, millennials are becoming, you know, we're in the, we're, some of us are in our forties now, right? So we're becoming a significant economic factor. If you revert back to being the healthy place in our brain, selling salads and all this other stuff through vending machines, strategically placed throughout a city, I think you're onto something. Right. Streamline your, your menu. Right. Go back to quality, streamline it. So you're still seeing your profit margins on your roast beef products. You know what I mean? Like that kind of stuff. There's definitely a way forward. I think the vending machines are uh, a good way forward in the way that because, look, if you build a network, especially if you go through the uh, vending machine type of people out there right the people that own 150 vending machines and then take care of them right all around central texas or whatever if you go through those people and get them on board with this where they're buying the refrigerated vending machines i think you could very easily go okay this is a subway machine this is a jimmy john's machine this is a and share some of that weight and cost of it as you as you broaden this out right right and then, the, the other yeah. the other thing too is the vending vending machine operating is not a um complicated no so like it's it's easy enough where the technology is either I wouldn't use the term open source but it's 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 open enough that they can call up any vending machine manufacturer and they will make a custom subway vending machine that will say okay dispense you know because you can now just put an Android tablet in the thing. You can take the phone and say, the app connects to the vending machine. So it's going to, you just say, okay, I want, you know, salt, pepper, or so it will kick out all the condiments you need. Yeah. 
So there's plenty of options. They're all so, plug and play at this point, right? <clears throat> they all slide in with advertising changes and all this yeah. stuff. So they're all made where you can compartmentalize them for different sizes and shapes yeah. and whatever. Now, when you get into older vending machines, if you're buying used vending machines, obviously it's different. But in the newer ones that are created every day, they're all electronically ran. They are all have mods in them. I got into this a little bit when I was looking, and I bought several... Um, uh, for my real estate company, I bought several uh, margarita machines and stuff like that where, you know, clients could use them and stuff like that. And what I found out in the whole line of vending stuff, it's all just modular, right? Yeah. You buy a vending machine and you can buy these attachments. You buy, you know what I mean, or whatever. So you, you form it to whatever your need is. And as far as the stuff, the graphics you see on the side, it's... I can change it from a, vend a subway machine to a Jimmy John's machine with a couple of screws or a couple of, you know what I mean, sliding things or yeah, whatever. It's, it's, a, it's a vinyl wrap like when people wrap your car. So it's exactly. not like – so I'm just saying that this is – the bright spot for subway is look at these people being innovative. Look at them. Uh, at the very innovative. least trying something, yeah. right? At the very least trying something, and I think sometimes <clears throat> that's exactly what you have to do. And okay. it, even if it doesn't catch on, you did something. Yeah. And hey, listen, this is just one for my team. You keep saying you want $15 an hour minimum wage. You're going to get the true minimum wage of $0 because we're going to replace you with a vending machine the way God intended it. You are so bad. So bad. Yeah. For this not to be a political show, you are just yeah. so bad. Anyway, uh, next one. You've got on here a little late to the party. Who's late to the party? Well... <clears throat> So Evander's Holyfields. Yes. And um uh uh Mike Tyson. How did I forget his name? The great Mike Tyson, the champ. Um uh you know, I was I was a I was nineteen ninety seven. Nineteen ninety seven. So nineteen eighty seven, Mike Tyson and Evander Holyfield. No, nineteen ninety seven. Nineteen ninety seven. Ninety seven, not eighty seven. I'm saying 1997. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. So I'm 10 years old. All right. <clears throat> um, this is before I loved karate. I love karate, but this is before I got into combat sports. So obviously, and listen, I'm 10 years old. You think my father is buying a pay-per-view? You think my father knows what pay-per-view is? Do you think my father ever paid for TV before? No. <laughs> All right, so no. look, I, let me set this picture for you. 1997, boxing was like yeah. big time. Huge. Like, yeah. and when I say big time, I'm talking here. I went to in 1997 for the Mike Tyson Holyfield fight. I went to not a block party, but a neighborhood party. Blocked off streets. Houses that were beside each other, doors wide open, kegs of beer, alcohol. The one that I went to backed up to a golf course. I mean, there were TVs everywhere, out on the street, right. in the backyards, in the houses, wherever you went, right? And everybody bought, you know what I mean, the pay-per-view. And you yeah. just basically partied through the night all the way up until the major event, right? right? And then you just kept drinking afterwards or whatever. I And I remember that this just massive party and watching this fight and how everybody reacted. 
If you don't know the big thing that came from this event, not only was it a big, huge title event, Holyfield and Mike Tyson, mm -hmm. um, which two completely different boxers. Holyfield, yeah. by the way, is a mover and a shaker. Muhammad right. Ali kind of, you know what I mean? Right. Um, kind of moving around where Mike Tyson was considered a bulldog back in the day. Like, I'm going to get inside and beat the living daylights out of you because I'm stronger than you. And, and he did. Right, and he, he did. That's exactly prolific, what he did. He's a prolific boxer. He hits hard. Absolutely. So, um, so it was billed as and was an amazing fight. The hard part was, is Mike Tyson like he's now well known for it that was the jump the shark as they say moment of mike tyson going absolutely nuts like before yeah. that you heard rumblings but again 90s no video cameras on your phone right. no twitter no but, facebook no social media to go this hey this is, guy's a crazy person but this is after mike tyson went to jail wasn't that correct no oh no, this is, this is what I'm saying. This was pre when you had people that their entire job was to keep things that happened in sports under wraps, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if if you went out to if you were a, a major league baseball star and you went out and trashed a bar, you had right. a whole team of people from major league baseball that paid the bills to the bar and paid to have it fixed and kept it out of the newspaper and like there were entire teams of people that their job was to keep things under wraps, right? Mm. Well, in this case, Mike Tyson on pay-per-view television for the entire world to see, I forget which round it was. I think it was seven or eight, nine, somewhere in there. I would like to correct you on a piece of history. What, had he Tyson, already been to prison at that point? Tyson was convicted in 92. I'm so sorry. This is post. And the only reason I bring that up was because there's this famous clip of Joe Rogan um, and I, again, I don't know anything about combat sports. The reason I like it, um, uh, is because, you know, two sweaty guys, small shorts. No, I'm kidding. I like the, <laughs> I like the violence of it. Right. Sure. I like to vicariously live through another guy. I've never been in a bar fight. It's one of the things on my bucket list, but I'm in my right. mid thirties. It's kind of like, it, if it hasn't happened by now, it's probably a bad idea. <laughs> yeah. Cause now we're all going to prison. Um, not like the old days. But no, you were bringing up one thing that listen. I missed my calling in life as a fixer. Like, right, right. I wish I wish that was a career path. I wish it was as clear a career path as like I'm gonna go be a doctor or an attorney. It's like I wanted to be a fixer, like the guy who's like comes out of the shadows, starts paying everybody off. Like <laughs> you never saw that. This never happened. Well, look, and what I'm getting at here is obviously boxing. Right? Everybody knows yeah. boxing. It's not MMA. It's not, mm. you know what I mean, these these full contacts. It's boxing, right? Well, yeah. Mike Tyson decides he's getting frustrated because he's not able to just beat the living daylights out of him right. because he's moving. He's shaking. He's not getting hit, right? Or at least yeah. he's not hitting him square. He And, you know, part of boxing is grappling, right? It's yeah. it's holding on to each other. Well, Mike Tyson decides in one of those grappling, grapples in 7-8 or, you know, whatever, that yeah. in the middle of a grapple, he's going to reach up and bite his ear off and i'm yeah. not saying like okay i bit your ear and it's bleeding no yeah. mike tyson bit the man's ear off he yeah. took a chunk of the man's ear off of his head hey it's called boxing not hugging right <laughs> i mean it's called combat sports not you know not not uh 
home design with Martha Stewart. Well, and this is also so, the fight that he said he was going to kill Vandler Holyfield's children, right? Like, I'm, I'll, I'll kill your mother, I'll kill your children. Right. Like, Correct. And then he goes into the ring and bites his ear off. And so, obviously, it's iconic. Like, there are posters, yeah. there are, like, you know what I mean, of the, the bleeding afterwards, and Mike Tyson's got blood on him. And, like, and like it's it's an icon in boxing, an iconic moment in boxing. Which Absolutely. we found a number of people the next morning asleep on the green outside in that golf course community that we were at. But I digress. <laughs> Um, the point, the point is iconic moment. So you have all these years later, Mike Tyson has now been to jail. That was not the first time or last time Mike Tyson has been to jail, but the man's in, I think his sixties at this point, right? Late fifties, early sixties or whatever. Uh, his, his money troubles have come and gone and come and gone right over the years. And like a lot of sports people in today's world have started partnering for money. Right for yeah. for things like that. In this Why case, right? I, if I absolutely everybody should. If you can, you should. If somebody yeah. will pay you for your likeness, get paid. I mean, Tyson did um, the Hangover films. Oh yeah, and he was he was not looking good in those films. He was looking washed up. But you look at Tyson now with a clean shave, he looks great. Like he's. He looks svelte. He's looking. He's looking back to fight in shape, even though he's old, too old to fight. Well, what was it? A year and a half ago, two years ago, he actually had a fight. Like he fought, yeah, like he some a... kind of. But again, you do whatever you can do for paid. And and look, he's he was in trouble like two months ago because he punched a guy on an airline. Now, good in my opinion, it was the guy's fault. The guy was yeah. irritating Mike Tyson. Like he was he was giving Mike Tyson crap. And guess what? A sixty-something-year-old Mike Tyson can still beat the crap out of your average person. Okay. Yeah. If you um, if you start messing with the champ, if you start messing with Iron Mike Tyson, dude, I know I know a guy, a physician who knew Muhammad Ali towards the end of his life, and even as, as he had been unwell, even at that point, he could have knocked you the frick out because because it would only take one hit. It only yeah. takes once to connect. Yeah. And it's it's Mike Tyson, okay? So you deserve so if that guy, what he deserves is he deserves to be in the loss column. Like he deserves yeah. like I've had one professional fight. It was not televised. <laughs> well, it, it was recorded and then put all over the internet. I'll tell you that. Which is which is the equivalent of being televised in 2022. Um, but so what I would say is it doesn't go on Tyson's record as a fight. But it does go on this Right, guy's it goes college. on that guy's. No, absolutely. So anyway, so Mike Tyson, this company comes up to Mike Tyson and says, hey, we make edibles, both Delta 9 and Delta 8, right? Which right. one is hemp, one's marijuana, right, that make edibles. Is that, is that true? Yeah. There's, so there's hemp, which is legal in all 50 states in the United States. And then right. there's, of course, marijuana cannabis. that is yeah. cannabis. There's one molecule different, Delta 8 and Delta 9, how it's okay. derived, right? And oh. One of them is illegal and one of them's not. Anyway, the point is, well, most and most companies make both in today's world. Even that, because yeah. if you're making one, you can make the other, and you can and sell one you? to anybody, and the other you can sell in the states that are legal. Right. Right. Anyway, I digress. The point is, is company comes to Mike Tyson says, "Hey, we got an idea for an edible, right? That kind of thing." Originally, they call it. Um, uh, Mike bites, 
Mike bites because it was Mike Tyson. So Mike bites, it's shaped like an ear or a half bitten off ear. Mike bites, we sell them. Well, then they go, well, how can we sell more of these? Well, let's get some other people involved. Well, let's get the guy that he bit his ear off and we'll promote it. Right. Because yeah. Holyfield's still a huge name in boxing. I mean, Mike Tyson is iconic, but Holyfield's still in the game. Right. Right. Um, and they go to him and originally Holyfield's like, nah, <laughs> like, nah, nah, I doubt Tyson Holyfield's relationship is great. Even all these years later, um, initially Holyfield goes, nah, I don't want any part of it. And then I'm sure somebody close to him said, hey, look, guy needs the money. You know what I mean? You need you the can, money. You need the money. Can you help somebody out? According to CelebrityNetWorth.com, Mike Tyson is worth $10 million. Evander Holyfield is worth $1 million. Let's put this into context. Each of them probably made hundreds of millions of dollars oh, yeah. in their lifetime. Oh, yeah. Hundreds of millions. And instead of making stupid grills that you burn your foot on if you're trying to cook bacon. Right. In the George Foreman. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of doing that and naming, having nine sons named George and a daughter named George, <laughs> which it's, Hey, I don't, I'm not a, I'm not a cranium doctor. I'm not a brain doctor. I'm just a doctor of Americology. I think he got hit, hit in the head a couple times there, George. Too yeah. many, one well, too many times. He made sure he could remember his kids' names. I ain't got no yeah. problem with that. <laughs> Listen, I don't, I'm not saying you have CTE, but I'm saying we're going to find out, aren't we? Um, you know, they, neither of them, and this is one of those things that always makes me sad, is when people make money, whereas I think this is a thing that is shifting in our economy, where, you know, if you're an influencer, if you're a celebrity on YouTube or whatever, you diversify your earnings and you figure out how, you know, you're going to, somebody's in your ear saying, Hey, this thing's, nobody cares about you wiggling your dick on TikTok forever. They're only going to care about it for five years. Take all the money you can get and you expand into not just clothing, but everything that you can expand into and you become the, listen. And hoard it and hoard it, hoard it like cash. Live with your Chris, parents for that five years and hoard it in the bank. I right. don't care. Chris Jenner will be studied by history mm-hmm. as a woman who figured out how to take what would normally be an extremely shameful event in a family's history and turn it into billions and billions and an billions of dollars of cash. An empire. This is America. If you get mm-hmm. dicked down on Kazaa, you can turn it into billions of dollars. <laughs> well, so look, they got Holy, they got Holyfield involved, right? It, yeah. His people convinced him, and then they came out with the same product that was Mike Bites, called it Holy Ears, and you can find it right wherever this particular company right Are these, puts it. Is out. this a gummy or is this a chocolate? No, it's it's a it's an edible. So it's a gummy, is the way they have it here. Mm. The way they have it See, here. See, if it was a chocolate ear, not to be racist, but if it was a chocolate <laughs> ear, a chocolate Delta 9 ear, I might have been a little more interested. Well, chocolate is a little harder to ship around the country, right? Fair that enough. kind of stuff. So gummies. Harder yeah, to yeah, sell. Yeah. So yep. gummies are, are definitely, you know, and people, uh, it, I think gummies, as far as the edibles are concerned, is your way forward for all of these kind of things. Yeah, no, that's right? how everybody, listen, I use um, strictly for going to sleep. 
um, some of these types of products that are 50 state legal and um, they're great. Okay. <laughs> but if you told me as a goof, I could have an event or Holy field ear, I might, but well, if I was a of... boxing fan, like if I had a buddy that was a boxing fan, like a huge yeah. boxing fan that still gets all the pay-per-views, right? Maybe they're right. A, a Paul Brothers fan, right? They're just huge into boxing, right? Whatever. And I got a, a jar of these for that boxing fan. Like that would make sense yeah. to me. Like, hey, this is yeah. really funny. This is cool. It's, it's the equivalent of a dick straw for a bachelorette party. 100%. You know I'm not yeah. going, hey, I really like Mike Tyson's. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Holy ears product. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But hey, the reason we put this in the show today was because, you know, I actually thought it was a funny story. So. Well, but it's outside the box. This is where you yeah. and I go over and over. We've been doing this podcast a long time. And you and I talk over and over about these stories where people think outside the box. And sometimes it doesn't go well, as expected. Sometimes it goes really well. And even if the product itself doesn't survive in the way that you thought, it could lead to another product that does. Yeah. And if... Based on CelebrityNetWorth.com, if that's accurate, and if I'm Evander Holyfield, <clears throat> I'm taking everything, dude. A million bucks? Dude, uh, he's got- he's got to be worth way more than that. But now he's obviously spent a lot of money, and he's been talked about several times in boxing that the yeah. reason he's still boxing is because he needs to. He's got a bunch of kids, apparently. Yeah. He spent a lot of his money, as people Tyson, do. Tyson, on the other hand, does have a show called... Um, he has a podcast called Hot Boxing, and in addition to that, um, Tyson does have a cannabis farm, if I'm correct. Um, and he, but the problem is, I think that he his cannabis farm could be far more profitable. But you know, could you listen to Mike Tyson talk on a podcast for an hour and a half? I, I don't think I could. Here's the thing, Mike Tyson, after having lost the daughter, his brains got scrambled. He's been to jail a few times. Um, he consumes a lot of his own product because the entire show is called hot boxing. And so there was one episode where I think he's sitting down with, Oh, Frick. What's the guy's name? Big yoked guy. He was on, um, uh, the, he was, a he was on Brooklyn nine, nine and he was in white chicks. Oh, it, Terry, Terry Cruz, Terry Cruz. And he's sitting there and him and Terry Cruz are talking and he's saying this insightful stuff. And then he goes, he looks at Terry Cruz and says, I did a bunch of like you know he has that gravelly voice. He's like I did a bunch of shrooms before the show, so he's like I'm flying to the sky, and there is something I appreciate. Now you know, yeah. you know I th- I think about getting older, and you and I have had this conversation privately. You know our, our thoughts about legacy and that kind of thing. Right. And my thought always goes, you know, my grandfather was this kind of guy. He wanted to pat. He wanted to leave this earth with his family, with his family around him, and that's what happened. All of his children showed up. And, you know, he, he passed away in the night with his kids there. I don't want to go like that. Danny's going out like Paul Walker, but I want to be like much older, like in my nineties. <laughs> you want to go wanna... out high speed, but in yeah. your nineties, in my nineties. And then, but also I want to be absolutely lit, right? Like, I just want to be like my plan. I've never consumed any sort of illicit product in my lifetime. Um, I just, cause I, I had asthma. And I was always afraid I was going to get lit and then get sick and have an asthma attack. And then my dickhead friends are going to like, how do we get him to a hospital? Right. And there's, yeah. yeah. That's a valid fear. 
Yeah, but I, my plan is after the age of eighty, we're doing it all. Just I'm doing, doing it, all. Hey, I, it all. Hey, you know there. what? Maybe you and I meet up for that because that's that's <laughs> pretty much my plan. Uh, when so, I get old, we're going to be yeah, here for so, a good time, not a long time. There you that's go. That's right. So after 80, I'm sitting my whole family down and I'm telling them. And I had a friend whose father did this because <laughs> the doctor told him, you know, if you don't make some lifestyle adjustments, you're on the way out. And he said, nice knowing you. I'm on the way out. There's actually a guy on YouTube who had a show uh, called Ben Mala. He, he, the show is called Life for Sale. And he started the whole show because the doctor said, you're morbidly obese. You smoke two or three cart. You smoke a carton a day, something like that. This guy's driving around in a Rolls Royce, smoking a carton of cigarettes and pulling up to McDonald's drive through. Yeah. Um, and he just said, yeah, I guess I have to set my sons up to run the business. Cause I ain't changing. Like he, <laughs> I, I appreciate somebody who values it, like the quality of life. So my goal is I want to be old and wrap a Rolls Royce, not one of the electric ones, one of the final V12s that they make <laughs> around a tree. And then they pull my carcass out of the wreckage because, you know, and they're sure. going to send me off to the crematorium and they're going to do a, the, you know, the blood test. And they're going to say, well, kids, your dad was high on shrooms. Right. <laughs> Just all <clears> of it. All of it. Blow a bit of angel dust. That's and right. We don't know where he found pipe you know that right here's the then, list of things he didn't have because it's shorter than the ones he did right correct yeah yeah no i get it <clears throat> i yeah. get it so i don't let's blame jump you there. into this next one uh next one um, you've got here another billionaire prosa- promises to give away his wealth yeah so recently we did that story i think when we came back after our extended break we did this story about um the founder of patagonia said yep. oh, i'm I'm going to give away all of my wealth because I'm a good person and it's all going to go towards environmental causes. Me. And it turns out that it was just one huge Was tax the voice dodge. necessary in the... Yes. The, the, okay. Yep. Um, the high-pitched voice is necessary when you run a company that makes billions of dollars in profits and then you say, we're going to give you a healthy environment. Um, and Jeff Bezos has promised to do the same thing. So you don't think he's part of the the Bill Gates pack, the the Melissa Gates pack that are like these rich people, the Warren Buffett that's yeah. like we're giving we're the wealthiest people in the world and we're going to give away most of our wealth to charitable causes when they pass. Yeah, so um I'm just saying this now. Okay? I have a modest net worth. Okay? It's in the six figures but not we're not passing 100 real quick. Okay? My goal is to become even like extraordinary wealth, extraordinarily wealthy, right? And my goal is divvy up enough that my kids can start. You know, I don't have kids yet, but when I have kids, mm-hmm. I want them to be able to start a life, start businesses, invest well. But daddy's going to use the rest of it and he's going to blow it. Okay. <laughs> now, I, don't I tell care. my kids that all the time, you yeah. know, because they, they, they ask about, my kids are teenagers, but they yeah. ask about, hey, you know what I mean? What happens if you if something happens to you? Are we okay? And like, no, you get yeah. nothing. You like get I, I'm blowing it all. <laughs> and here's the problem: over the years, I've become more and more of a minimalist, right? Right. As you can see, I have nothing behind me because that's the way I like it. So I don't care for things like yachts and you know, hyper cars like Bugatti. I'm a car guy, but I don't care about that. <clears throat> but I'm buying it just because I'm blowing it out on the way out. 
it makes you can't take it with you. You can't take is, it with you. There the is whole... obviously a balance, but I mean, Jeff Bezos. Look, even if Jeff Bezos wanted to, he can't spend everything. One hundred twenty-four billion dollars. So here's what I find interesting: is when they said he had one hundred twenty-four billion, I started doing the math. I was like, is that that feels like less than I thought it was going to be? Well, I, I. So much of, and we've talked about this with Elon Musk and and all this right. kind of stuff, probably with the exception of Warren Buffett, <laughs> these guys that say they're worth A, B, and C, like Jeff Bezos being, it's all, I don't want to say fake money, it's all tied up money, right? And so, so Jeff Bezos being worth 124, tomorrow it could be worth 250 billion, like it, right. because of the Just way. Like, yeah. Yeah, just like yay, just like, yay, just like yeah. we're going to talk about with Jan- Sam Bank-Freeman, the FTX thing, right, yeah. and all this stuff. It's all in company interest. It's all in company well, no. assets and stuff like that. So so I would agree with you. Like, I would call it a fake – this is a personal opinion. Uh, we live in a fake economy, right? Our economy is fake. So – and the reason I say our economy is fake is we have a debt-based economy that um, – it does not encourage entrepreneurs or business people or the uber wealthy to actually have any wealth. They need to have hypothetical wealth that's, you know, structured as, you know, ownership stake in a corporation that owns IP to something else mm-hmm. so they can draw a loan against it because the loan's at 12% interest and the tax on it's 50%, so it's smarter to take the loan. So we live in this weird, in this non-free market economy that doesn't encourage wealthy people to do one thing, actually be wealthy, Correct. right? So and we're seeing this as a wave that's happening now. Amazon, in this announcement, some people speculate, has to do with, because his wealth is all tied up in Amazon stock, Amazon is laying off people. But our last episode was entitled It's Layoff Season because guess what? It's layoff season in all of the big tech companies, including Meta and Amazon and Twitter. Mm-hmm. Everybody's laying off people in the, in the thousands. We're not talking about two or 300 people. We're talking they're getting laid off in the thousands. Absolutely. We, just, we were talking for the last maybe year or so about how the biggest problem the economy had was workers. Well, guess what? All of the big tech companies are laying people off. Some of these people are going to take their $300,000 annual comp packages, and they're going to figure out that they don't have this thing called actual skills, Mm -hmm. right? And they're going to take those lack of actual skills, and they're going to be telling you, hey, hey, good day. Would you like some chicken today? And they're going to be a Cane's chicken dishing out chicken fingers (laughs) because, you know. Look, whether he's always been, Jeff Bezos has always been a environmental, what do you call it, when they give away lots of money, right? Philanthropist. Um, Philanthropist, right? Like, he's he's always been behind the, we need to do something about the environment, right? Right. And that kind of stuff. It's all scam. And (laughs) that's Danny's opinion, not the opinion of the big man or the market fire pot. The point is, is that's where he says this is going, right? Um, Now, again... These are all people that have said this is what's going to happen. None of these people have passed away yet, right? right. Like, none of these people um, have have actually... Bill Gates has not died and passed on his net worth to <laughs> charities, 
Right? I, like, I have a rumble video I would like you to watch. Uh, Bill Gates is a robot. I'm just he? kidding. It's a joke. Yeah. <laughs> so Bill Gates, Mark Zuckerberg, all the these yeah. are all. Now, see, I would go less robot and more clone. See, like. See, clone I would go less better, clone. More realistic. I would go less clone. I would go less robot, and I would go full lizard person. But that's just me. <laughs> We're jumping right to lizard person, right? But yeah. look, all these people have said a lot. Um, mm. I would be interested, and history will tell us whether these people kept these, you know, uh, what they say they're going to do and how they're going to do it. Also, history will tell us whether they are big, as you say, tax scams, as far mm. as I'm giving this all to charity, but my kids happen to be on the boards of all of these charities and draw... Ten million dollars a year, right? Does Bezos have kids? I don't even know if he has kids. I, I don't know. I'm just using it as a generalized example right. of. Well, I, let me also add this. Um, there's that clip of when Bezos is getting interviewed by 2020, back when they mattered, and this was when he was a nerd. Um, so like, he was like, <laughs> and he had the horseshoe, like he didn't have actual. He, you, you had the same haircut. Um, it's before he started shaving yes. his head and taking testosterone supplements mm-hmm. um, and being generally jacked. He he was doing this 2020 interview and they're driving around Seattle and the guy goes, so blah, 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 blah. It would seem like you're a billionaire. And Jeff goes, yeah, what's the question? He goes, well, the question is why the Honda? And if there's one thing I despise about modern business, mm-hmm. It's these people who are like, you know, like there's there's pictures of Bill Gates wearing a Casio watch that's $30 at Walmart. Wear an expensive watch. You have billions of dollars. Well, but okay. you're a watch guy. Come on. like That's fine. Um, but I'm just saying, fine, let's take that out of it. Why are you always wearing sweaters that you bought from Target over a shirt that you bought from Target? Why are you so frumpy? Okay. Stop being frumpy. Okay. Look awesome. What's the point of having billions of dollars if you look like a nerd and not Andrew Tate? Okay. The goal is to look like Andrew Tate. He, dude, it is so stupid. It drives me nuts. You can't have that much money and then be like, I drive a Honda Accord. Don't do that. Have See, an I'm awesome that person. Car. I would drive the same and do the same truck that I would drive any other time. I wear the same clothes that I wear regardless of the net worth that I have, any of that stuff. Now, Jeff Bezos does have four kids. He has three boys and a little girl that he adopted from China, right? So he does have kids to worry about. My point is, even if he didn't, it's just a fact of history will tell us whether these people that say they're giving away their wealth, I want to know who they're giving it away to ultimately, right? Where does it actually end up going? Not, hey, I say it's going to this, but where does it ultimately end up going? And does it in turn in some way benefit their legacy, their kids, whatever it may be, right? Like, again, does their kids sit on the board and draw a $10 million salary a year, right? right? right. So they're using it as a tax evasion, but also setting their kids up for life. And if that's the case... Can you tell me now so that I can do that for my children? And like, yeah, no, even if that, let's say that is the case. And I think the case in the Gates family is that each child gets 10 million. And I think there was some unhappiness about that. Like, it was like recently, I know 50 cents kid was like, man, how am I supposed to, I'm, a, I'm 20, whatever years old. How do you expect me to live on $5,000 or $6,000 allowance a year, a month rather? 
And dude, if my kid said that, not only would they stop getting their allowance, I would go to wherever they lived and I would evict them. Even if it well, was like, yeah. I, we like, also live in a world that you have Dr. Phil with kids on every week that, you know yeah. what I mean? Say, I, I should never have to get a job because my parents have created an environment where I come accustomed to a certain right living lifestyle. style, lifestyle. Yeah. And it would be unfair for them to expect me to do anything right. different. And so let me just say this also, while we're on this subject, this is not necessarily a business thing, but boomers need to take stock of the in, the society that they've created and stop having so much pride in what they've done here and have a little more <laughs> sanctimony. Like there should be a little more sanctimony. Like we're really sorry that we created a generation of really stupid people. Yeah. So, uh, asking boomers to take responsibility for anything you, is you not a very boomer past, thing. Yeah. You breezed past something. And I, I think it's very important to bring up. He adopted a child from China. Was it yeah. out of one of his factories? <laughs> oh, okay. That's messed up, Danny. That is so messed up. That is, it is beyond it is, You're totally right. Up. It could have been out of a Nike factory, an Adidas factory. No. <laughs> it didn't a Target factory. It didn't have to be an Amazon factory. I don't know anything about any of that. That does not speak for me or Microfire Podcast. Danny is all on his own accusing right. Jeff Bezos from adopting a kid out of one of his factories. I'm not no, saying I... he doesn't have factories, and I'm not saying they don't do those horrible things that they do. I am just saying that Danny has no evidence. No, I'm not saying there's any evidence. I'm asking the question. He adopted a child from China. Is that oh, did that child come out of one of his factories? Danny's here to ask the hard questions. He really I'm here is. to ask the hard pressing questions, such as, what, did it was it like one of those situations where it, you know, like we know about the factories in China, about the iPhone factory, right? <clears throat> um, every progressive person who's like, wealth tax should be 100 percent after 10 million dollars or whatever. They always tweet that from their iPhone that clearly a child in China made um, where they have nets under the building. So if people, um, they get caught and they can just go back to work. That is so, awful. Can you imagine living in a society that has to put yeah. nets under buildings because people, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, listen, people want to say this is a result of capitalism. And I'm like, no, no, no. This is a result of a country who went, how do we get wealthy? And they said, what if we just don't have any, like, we just let companies come here and run roughshod over, you mm -hmm. know, basic. I'm a free market capitalist guy, but I still believe in this thing called human rights. Yeah, right? no, and, corporate overlords give no, no, no about rights. Human yeah, rights. but I'm just saying, like, there, if we can't, free markets are about, we can't deny humanity as part of that. And so that conflation of like, no, no, that's what, that's a problem for me. So, um, <clears throat> but at the same time, I actually do know, and this has nothing to do with the show, but I'll just end the segment with this. I actually do know a, um, a former missionary to Cambodia. And uh, there was some kids in Berkeley, California, complaining that it was either Berkeley or Portland, but I, probably Berkeley. Probably complaining Berkeley. About, it was complaining about a Nike factory in Cambodia. And they were protesting that this Nike factory had less than ideal working conditions, which was probably true. The women at this factory, it was majority staffed by women. They would sleep in tents near or around the factory. And that's because they lived out in some middle of nowhere place. And that's really rough. <laughs> and he told me 
he's like, I was opposed to the factory while I was there. I thought it was horrible. These people are working in a really hot factory. There's all this other stuff going on. So Nike just closes the factory and moves it to some other third world country, right? Mm-hmm. And the workers now turned to selling themselves because they had no other way of eating. So right. there's always more than one perspective, right? Yeah. So, so he you... was, he was, uh, this guy, this, this missionary guy was like, Oh, this is horrible. Then he's like, then I saw the alternative and I was like, bring back the factory. Like they need the factory. This is a better, that's just like, yeah, it is. It's unfortunate. There are yeah. children working in there and that kind of, and I was making a joke. Um, I'm sure he did what every billionaire does and just bought his kid out of an orphanage. Um, <laughs> hey, you and I don't know right now whether that's We true don't or have not. any okay. clue. So the fact that it this is, is or it isn't, I will leave that up to whoever. Um, but speaking of billionaires, or in this case, millionaires, you and I talked on last week's live episode about FTX and Sam yeah. Bankman, Bankman Fried, Friedman, whatever. Uh, yeah, Sam Bankman Fried, SBF. You call him a millionaire. I think what we're going to have to start calling him is um, Hundred Air and Felon. Is no, he's a hobo at this point. He is worth zero dollars. <laughs> so, which is an update to last week's story. When you and I talked last week, it was more of a okay, his company's going to file for bankruptcy. He's going to still probably have a couple of hundred million dollars in the bank and right. live out his life with his. 10 roommates, which are we've now figured out aren't his roommates. They're in this kind of lovely 10 cultish relationshipy, whatever it is. So they were all in relationships with each other and stuff like that. They all ran the company together like some big hippie commune, right? Uh, Commune, I should say. So, and again, I have no problem with that if it was a successful company, but it sounds like they were, it's a good old fashioned Ponzi scheme. They were robbing people robbing people's accounts to pay for other accounts to hide their insolvency that you and I were talking about last week. And of right. course it all, when it all start coming crashing down, the house of cards started to fall apart. And so he's gone from losing his company to losing everything. And by the way, being detained by the Bahamas police department because he tried to flee the country and get out of it. And now the reason this really came up today is because this morning, as we're recording this, or not even recording, we're doing this live on November 15th, it came out this morning that this guy filed for bankruptcy. His his he, his millionaire status is gone. He was arrested for trying to flee. And you know what he spent the last couple of days doing, Danny? What's that? Uh, calling his investors... And asking for more money. So uh, Danny's going to go off on the conspiracy tangent (laughs) for just a second. (laughs) Just a second. Give me just a second. There is a thought brewing that perhaps... Is this only in um, your head or anybody else's? Like just um, yours or... Okay. Hold on. I texted you a Twitter thread that was very, very credible. I just want to make sure it's not just you and the 10 voices in your head. But go ahead. No. Go ahead. Go ahead. Put it out. Um, so there is a theory. Of course, we don't know if any of this is factual. I'm not saying it is. It is 100% speculation that what has taken place is that uh, saying Bankman Fried, we, this, is an, this part is not a conspiracy. He was the largest donor to um, Democratic causes and candidates in this most recent election that happened last week that's fine 
You're allowed to do that. To I have a no grand total of just under forty million dollars. Go ahead. Right, but no, that number is not huge. In what you, I mean, probably ten, fifteen, twenty billion dollars gets spent in the midterms. Probably a hundred billion in a in a in a presidential election year. Um, so that's not a huge number, but that puts some number two behind a guy's name. I'm too afraid to even say. <laughs> yeah, we're not saying it, but go ahead. Yeah. We all know who it is. Yes, correct. And so the conspiracy, the part where there's speculation is, it appears as though um, a country that is currently being invaded by another country that was receiving tons of aid from the United States invested that aid into FTX, which in turn gave money to Democrat causes and candidates. So it would appear there's a, now some might use the phrase, money laundering cycle i would never do that where the money was leaving the u.s taxpayer going to this eastern european nation and then and then returning into through investment through investment into various cryptos but also the platform of ftx and then the capital was then extracted out of the company and then used it to uh, now you're, you're, you're using conspiracy theory that he didn't make this donation that that eastern european country through the la- money laundering of ftx was making those donations that's the conspiracy theory you're saying yeah. i look i consume as much news as danny does now we definitely consume no, you different consume- types of news no, you- you consume news. I don't consume any news. I don't even care. <laughs> so we definitely get information from different parts of the interwebs, I guess I should say. Yeah. Um, you get so- it from you get it from reputable sources. <laughs> I get it from people who aren't accurate yet. Now, my, they're favorite, gonna be- <laughs> my favorite statement, folks, this week, Danny and I text daily for something, whether it's news stories, whether it's whatever. My yeah. favorite statement from danny this past week when i asked him or i told him i think i made a statement that what he was saying just wasn't true and danny's statement to me was we live in a post-truth world now (laughs) post-fact world you know what i mean a post-fact world now and and i wish i could say that danny was wrong (laughs) we don't live in we do live in a post-fact world now Uh, not only according to Danny, but according to a whole lot of information out there. But right. this, look, this to me, the guy's world is crumbling around him and still has the cojones, the big right. steel balls to cause his current investors that well, aren't going to see in dime right. and go, hey, can you give me some more money? By yeah. the way, hasn't I have not read a single thing that says what he thinks he's going to use this money for. Is he right. trying to raise it for his legal defense? Is he trying to raise it to save the company, which he can't at this point? Here's I think here's the deal. And speaking of conspiracy theories, um, I, I don't know that this is a conspiracy theory rather than the truth. But, if on, he doesn't just... find a way to pull this company out of bankruptcy, he has to give the bankruptcy court every person's name that ever put money into FTX. Every client, every investor, everybody that put opened an account into FTX will be in the findings of the bankruptcy court. Every dollar that they were given, every, you know, you see what I'm saying? Like, that's a lot of information. 
so so what happened with um you know America's most prolific Ponzi scheme, which was um Madoff. Right. He, which by the way, um investors of Bernie Madoff got seventy-five cents on the dollar of their investment. Now it we always hear about how horrifying his his Ponzi scheme was. <clears throat> he did better than some fund managers did <laughs> at that point in time. Like well, fund managers for a short are, period of time, yes. So I'm just saying, it, you know, when the entire market crashed during the GFC, the great financial crisis, for him to have liquidated his fund and returned 75 cents on the dollar, you know, sure, people thought hypothetically they had so much money in their account or whatever, and it turned out it was just on paper. But the point is, 75 cents on the dollar in a downturn is pretty good. Well, but um, as you and I have talked several times, my issue with cryptocurrency specifically – and and this is a is and other types of stocks we've talked about meme stocks and stuff like that yeah. that you get left with back holder bag holders right bag holders, yeah. and the fact is is people that move their money from whatever cryptocurrency they had over whatever to the FTX exchange are going to be left with nothing two weeks ago you might have had a million dollars in right. your right in in FTX. And today you have zero unless you pulled it out. Like it's Yeah. And you know, there's a there's also speculation that SBF hacked post after everyone figured out that this thing's insolvent. He was the one who hacked the platform. There's reasons to believe that. I don't know if that's true. That is, is another a, conspiracy theory. They are now currently is, investigating because it was a grand total of what almost four hundred million dollars was yes. hacked and taken out and moved out of it. Yeah. Um Crypto's so, apparently so safe and blockchain's so safe. I keep reading about hacks every week on yeah. money getting moved around and money. Now, whether that's coming from the inside, from the people that built this stuff, or whether yeah. it's coming from the outside, I don't know. There's a lot of different yeah. theories. But this is what happens when you don't – look, Wells Fargo is a bank, which is backed by the United States government. Wells Fargo yeah. can't become insolvent. Because it is backed by the United States government. Well, Wells Fargo can't just well, choose not to give me my money, but FTX yeah. is going to. So here's the difference. Uh, technically, they're not backed by the U.S. government. They're insured by FDIC. Correct. Or, yeah. So what the insurance of FDIC promises, and I use the term FDIC, it's FDIC, but I always say FDIC yes, because that's funnier. Um, they're just promising that you know up to 200 some. I think it's 250 per account. Um, so that's what they insure, right? right. So, and, and listen, they're not, uh, you're not wrong. And I, I'm not apologize. I'm not, um, I'm not an apologist for these platforms. I am an evangelist for the hypothetical future that blockchain and crypto provides. I'm not really an evangelist for a particular coin. I'm right. just looking at this thing as a, the, the critical, when it reaches a critical mass, which if you're looking at certain countries, Venezuela, um, Syria, I believe, um, a handful of other countries like that have experienced, you know, mass inflation, all this other stuff. And, you know, there was a run of the banks in some Middle Eastern country where people are now robbing. They were robbing the bank to just get their money out. They're not right. trying to get anybody else's yeah. money out. Yeah. And and they're using crypto as and and this is a economic theory more than it is a practicality which is value is subjective right and so the dollar in my pocket buys something because we all agree that dollars 
are worth X, right? Yeah. And then you get into inflation and yada, yada, yada. Yeah, and so, you know, and listen, I'm just, if you keep your crypto on an exchange, you know, caveat emptor, buyer well, beware. Yeah, and that's that's the, the buy. and again, I believe in the buyer beware, right? We're all adults mm-hmm. and stuff like that. I just believe in limits of buyer beware, and, especially and when it I'm comes saying. to things that people don't understand. Yeah, and here's the problem. I agree with you hypothetically, but how do we get people to a place of understanding? How do we get them to learn? And the only way you really learn that the stove is hot is your dad is cooking something with a cast iron skillet and you reach up and touch the cast iron skillet and then he takes your hand and he subs it on there and say, yeah, I told you the stove is hot, don't touch it. So you learn that lesson. And I would love... I would look, I would love not that I not that I love this scenario, but I would love to say that it's only ignorant people that lose their money. Right. And that they're all being taken advantage of. I sent you a story and I don't know whether you kept the link or not. I think I sent it to you yesterday of the people that are involved with FTX. Some of the big time people, the Miami Heat. The basketball yeah. club, the Miami Heat. Uh, obviously, Matt Damon did commercials for Coinbase right last year or whatever yep. and has lost through this whole FTX thing, lost a crap ton of money. Matt Damon, by the way, if you didn't know, is actually Hollywood's biggest loser in the amount of money that he could have made. You know what the biggest chunk of that money that he could have made that he didn't make comes from? He was actually, James Cameron wanted him to be in the first um, Avatar Avatar movie. Wanted him to be, and not only did he want him to be in the first Avatar movie, he was willing to give him 10% of the franchise to be in the first Avatar movie. But he was finishing up the Born Supremacy Right, mm-hmm. uh, franchise. So he, he didn't have time for to go to that next. He just the timing didn't work out. Mm-hmm. So he missed out on ten percent of the Avatar franchise. And if you want to talk about stupid people getting ripped off and stupid people getting ripped off, and I say they deserve it, anybody who likes Avatar, anybody. This is a basic. <laughs> like you think the political system works, and you like <laughs> Avatar. If somebody tells me they like Avatar, I delete them from my brain immediately. Okay. If someone says Avatar was a good movie, um, I I'm starting to I call up child services. I'm like, you got to take away this guy's kids. He thinks Avatar's good. <laughs> so wrong, Danny. It's yeah. so wrong. You right. against everybody else in the world. But anyway. Yeah. So I I I will we'll we'll continue to do updates on this because I'm curious to story? see where this goes. Because I think this guy's done. I, I mean, no. and and not to look. I'm not the best looking guy in the world, but yeah. I, well, this guy is creepy looking. Like, so he and I have the I had the exact same haircut at SBF as SBF did uh, from the time I was born till the time I was six or seven, and then my father started taking me to a great clips. But until then, I had I had the big poofy. Uh, what is the J Fro, as it is sometimes referred to, uh, I'm allowed to use that term because you know. Well, half. he's going to be popular <clears throat> in prison, I'm sure. Um, well, here's the other thing. I'm just as parting on this story. 
um, he's not going anywhere. He's he he laundered forty million hypothetically. He uh, laundered hypothetically forty million dollars hypothetically for the U.S. government and the current administration. His uh, mother, by the way, who used to run um, money raising organizations for this political party. So I'm saying SBF saw the writing on the wall and said, "Let's make sure we don't go." But by the way, there's a little uh-huh. like, you know, um, the the show Silicon Valley kind of has this Simpsons effect of kind of predicting the future. One of the gals that he apparently was in a relation, I don't know what their relationship was. <clears throat> All of these people appear to me as though they might be on the spectrum. Some of them have been diagnosed that way. That's not a judgment. I'm just saying that seems to be the case. And there was a character that it almost looks like she's cosplaying from Silicon Valley. And I think the character's name is Gwart or something like that. And the name is obviously meant to be like this, it, this ambiguous the, thing. Yeah. Yeah. And this gal that was, that was uh, running it with him that apparently he was dating or not dating. I don't know. I don't really care about that part of it. Um, that's for HBO to make a documentary about that part of their cult. And they will, but yeah, they will. And um, I can't wait <laughs> and I will watch <laughs> all of it and it will be on our Patreon and we will discuss it on our Patreon. Mm-hmm. But it was when I saw her, like she was wearing the big, like round, thick rimmed glasses, but then like she had like Coke bottles in them. I was like, it's 2022, friend. You can get, <laughs> I have a pretty thick prescription, but nonetheless, right. the, the thing I'm driving at here is that show ended up kind of predicting like this kind of character. But it's one of those things that like mm-hmm. us being in Austin and we're seeing this flood of Silicon Valley tech people. And we're like, this is not the weird we were trying to keep Austin weird. Through. Right. Well, this look, I think he weird. may be not big enough. See, this is where I think he falls in that. See, there's big people, big stars, well-known people that they're just never going to jail. Right. They're yeah. just whatever. And then there's this lot of little middle section that people like to make examples of. Right. Mm. You know what I mean? When Plasco Burris went to jail for a year because he had a gun right. in New York City. Right. Like. He, you know, he wasn't a superstar yet, and he wasn't, you know what I mean. So he went to jail for the guy a year. Who shot himself in the pee-pee? yes, yes, okay, yes, okay. Uh, because he had Didn't it. He, in, he was wearing Didn't sweats he... and had a gun in his waistband in New York City, and it wasn't even licensed in New York City, right? So New York City made an example out of him. But didn't he already suffer enough? I'm, I'm just saying that yeah, they yeah, made yeah. an example out of. Him. Right. I think this guy may be in that middle category. Where right. he's not a big enough name that your average look, your average American doesn't know who this guy is. No, your average American has no idea what cryptocurrency is. They see the Super Bowl commercials and they're like, "What the hell is that? I don't get yeah. it. I don't understand it." So he, I think he might be in that gray area where he ends up spending some time in jail because look, America wants its grubby hands on the crypto world. They want regulation on it. They want to be involved in it. They because look, in the at the end of the day, a lot of people are going to make a lot of money in it, just like every other exchange we have. The New York Stock Exchange, yeah. right? The Nasdaq, all of it. We're, right. They want their. They want it to be a future and, thing, and they want yeah. it to be a part of it and make their money off of it, like everything else. And this is where the Winklevoss, the Winklevoss twins, kind of made their bones when they, you know, they're billionaires now. And they kind of made their bones in seeing the forthcoming market. And they created Gemini, which is the most government compliant exchange, which for people in the crypto space, um, 
don't, I, I personally, there's different, there's, there's finance bros who are into crypto and then there's crypto bros who are libertarian and then got into crypto because some of it aligned with their, their sociopolitical right. values, which is where I probably fall in, in terms of being a crypto fan. Um, so I'm less interested in uh, government legitimizing it. There's a couple of, um, I forget the guy's name. He does the podcast called Orange Pill. And he's like, oh no, we need government regulation. That's going to legitimize it. And my thought process is, no, I'd rather a bunch of people lose their money because the minute we legitimize it with government is the moment it has no value. The and way that it, it loses what you believe is the value in an alternative yeah. worldwide. It's yeah. pirate no. currency. It's it's pirate currency, and that's what's good about it. Right. So that's just my opinion, though. You and a whole bunch of you know uh, people that do bad things all around the world and use it to fund those things. So yes. Yeah. Okay. If you pick up the average American twenty dollar bill, <clears throat> and you broke it down. You know, with about a hundred dollars worth of twenty dollar bills, you got enough blow to actually go on a trip. <laughs> I'm just saying, you and all the old school blood diamond marketers are all in the same category. All right. Sure. Anyway, um, if those of you that don't know, before crypto, diamonds were used as essentially cryptocurrency. That they all just agreed mm. that this amount of diamonds was worth X number of dollars, and then that way right. you could turn it into diamonds, go to another right. country, and then exchange it back, and then right. so on and so forth. Because you can anyway. carry $10 million worth of diamonds in your the breast pocket of your suit jacket. Right, because it wasn't don't $10 to... million dollars in diamonds. It was an agreed-upon $10 million. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. that's how the black market worked. The high pro, you know what I mean? The black crypto, yeah. that's what crypto was before crypto existed. Right, what it should right. have been. It's pirate money, which is what I liked about it. And then all of these nerds with their JFROs and on the spectrum and their and their and their MacBooks and their weird condos full of ten people that they're in weird relationships with, they turned it into this dumb thing, and I hate that about it. Well, the psychology behind it is interesting to me because would did they get into this trouble because they were smart enough to to create it, but not smart enough to keep it. So mm. was it because they were smart enough to create it, and then the money? the different things that happened to them led them down to this not smart enough to keep it? Or were they just doomed from the get-go because they weren't smart enough to keep it in the first place? Well, I think a lot of the SBF made his money um, arbitraging Bitcoin out of Japanese exchanges. Mm -hmm. and Oh, I forget which way it worked. So he was smart enough to make money, but um, you know, he went down to the Bahamas to create this, this exchange. And, um, yeah, I think that that was if he had stayed a solo arbitrage trader, I, I don't think we ever hear his name and I don't think he's ever in this bind. Yeah. So, but that's always an interesting thing to me. Did the money yeah. slash fame, whichever it is, right? In, right. in any cat, any particular situation, was it the money slash fame that caused what is an issue or right. were they going to go down that path regardless of the money and fame? Right. The the Britney Spears, for example, it, what, yeah. has she always been crazy or has the money and fame caused her to become crazy? Britney Spears is a different and, you know, it's different because she was a teenager and she didn't really matriculate through, to, you know, a, to adulthood like a normal person would. Sure. And so I think that's what kind of so whereas SBF didn't really have money until very recently and Vitalik Buterin didn't have money like you know he was making 
very little money until more than recently. So the reason I think it's a, I don't think it's the money. I think it's their own. Uh, here's what, I don't think it's the money or the fame. It's the hubris, right? It's the it's the lack of risk ad, adverseness. You know, they're not risk adverse, but that's how they got there, right? Well, because Elon Musk is doing the same thing in Twitter right now, right? Is is he is he like this now because of the money that he's created, or has he always been this person? He, I, I just watched a clip of him saying, um, in two thousand eight, I was down to my last thirty million dollars. Doesn't sound like a lot, but I mean, it does sound like a lot, but it doesn't at the same time. Mm-hmm. And he said, I had two choices: either I dump the whole thing into one company, being SpaceX or Tesla or I split it in half and the other one dies. And then he goes, I couldn't make a decision. I couldn't choose. So I just split it up and I put half into, but when you really look at the technical values of both of his companies, Mm -hmm. I mean, he was probably, I mean, he bet the farm. So that, and you know, people are trash talking Elon on Twitter right now because they're getting a small glimpse into what it looks like to turn a business around. And they're like, he's doing this stupidly. And I'm always asking the question, have you ever even opened a bake stand? Uh, 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 right, uh, right. stand? If you've never run a business and he's going in there and he's running roughshod over their teams and he's doing this, that, and the other thing, and people are angry about it and it's hurting Tesla stock and he sold $4 billion with the Tesla stock. He liquidated a little bit and everyone's like, he's going down. He's not. He actually is it's it's not perfect he's having they're like he's starving his employees because he won't pay 13 million dollars a year to run kitchens in their headquarter offices in new york and san francisco even though nobody's either throwing all the food out so um wait you don't need a kitchen at it yeah, at no. but, but again no, people on people on right. twitter are we don't know. Twitter. History tells us, right? It, people so, can complain all day long when change. Change is difficult. Change is hard. Yeah, now, so like even, I'm not I'm not sticking up for Elon either. I don't know where this is going to end up. He This could end up all poorly. Twitter goes into bankruptcy. And even if that happens, it's not the downfall of Elon Musk, by the way. No. He's still a billionaire. Right. And I, But I'm just saying, people who um, are hype, like they live in a world of hypotheticals, Mm-hmm. I have never, and here's the thing, t- uh, Twitter is now a private company that has to do this weird thing that they hate in Silicon Valley and they hate in New York and they hate in parts of basically from downtown, like south of Breaker. Okay. Right. South they, Austin. Yeah. Well, central and south Austin. They hate this thing called profits. Right. So Elon's trying to do this thing where he makes the company profitable. And quickly, and, he's not yeah, doing it slowly. <laughs> right. And, you know, there's a saying in Silicon Valley, one that I agree with, which is move fast and break things. And he's doing that and he's firing people. And guess what? It's a company that you can you can email a bunch of people 280 characters. It does not need a 10,000 staff of like, we have to maintain... When we have to get free lunch and somebody called me the wrong name. My name is Razor now. <laughs> so like it doesn't like you deserve to get fired. I'm just saying that people who I'm not your I'm representations not, of certain people are just mm, so mean. Go ahead. Yeah. I'm just saying that in the context of SBF or any of these other people, they I haven't run billion dollar companies, right? 
I don't intend to either, mm-hmm. right? My strategy for getting wealthy is strictly being an investor who's not, anyways, I have no interest in running billion dollar corporations with hundreds of thousands of people working for me. I have no interest in that. But if you haven't, like, you know, if that's not your lived experience. Yeah, always consider the source when you're getting advice. Like, And they're like, do. he's going he's gonna to run Twitter into the ground. I'm seeing people saying, I'm going to miss this site. You people spent the last however many years saying, if you don't like it, build your own platform. And then this guy comes along, buys their platform, starts pissing on it. And I'm here for that part. I love watching it that part. And they're going, he's running it into the ground. No, he's trying to make it profitable. Well, so you're a thing- part-time cashier at Walmart. like, And again, nothing against that working hard. No. I'm just saying, what is your experience owning a multi-billion dollar technology I company? I don't care about him. I don't care about the part-time cashier at Walmart. I care about the adjunct sociology professor from you know, Arapahoe Community College in Colorado <laughs> tweeting, if everybody is verified, because he used he was verified and now right. everyone else is verified. If everybody's a blue check, nobody's a blue check. Hey, dickbag, nobody cared what you thought before anyway. Okay. <laughs> you and your 15 followers can go. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I agree with you there. Um, I, I, I think you're going to see a lot of changes and I think he ultimately figures out what he wants it to be ultimately. Um, and I think he's trying to do the bull in the, like you said, uh, go fast, break things, figure really? it out, and he'll that, settle. He'll settle. Yeah, that threat of the of Twitter going bankrupt, I love it. Because let me tell you what he's, what's going to happen. <laughs> he's going to be able to level the value um, to something more reasonable. All he's going to do is take this thing into a bankruptcy He's going to discharge a, and listen, UBS and a bunch of these other massive banks that gave him money yeah. deserve to lose their billions of dollars. Well, but it allows you to renegotiate. People forget that there's yeah. different types of bankruptcy. Correct. One of them, you give up zero assets. It just allows you to renegotiate was that, really 13? bad terms, right? I think it's and 13. I, I don't remember which one, but the point yeah. is, is it allows you to renegotiate. Maybe he goes in and, and he renegotiate. It allows him to renegotiate right. every contract that Twitter has with everybody they have contracts with, right? right. Not just and, your investors, but who you're buying products from or, you know what right, I mean? Right, Whatever. Right it is so yeah and i'll relate it to this and i'll i have nothing left to say in this segment but um people always criticize uh robert kiyosaki and they say Mm -hmm. he's filed bankruptcy multiple times yeah that's what you do you set up entities that you're not um you're not signing personal guarantees for and when you know your entity has $150 $150 in the bank and you owe some someone else uh, $2 million, you just file bankruptcy. It's strategic. It's smart. It's the system. I'm not saying any of that because I don't agree with that, but it I, is I a like tool it. that is available. No, I don't agree with it. I don't like it. I disagree with it. I think it's bad. It's skeevy business, but that's the system. And you know, if you, here's the thing, the people in charge of the system don't want to change the system because that's how their donors, their husbands, their wives, that's the, how they make money. Wow. So there's no change coming in the system to make it free and fair, which is what I would prefer, because the people who are in charge of the system created a system for their benefit. 
not for your benefit. That is partially true. And I do yeah. agree with you. So uh, I think we've been at this for about an hour and a half right now, which is about our norm, Danny. So we can yeah. probably move those other stories around or we can do them yep. on Patreon, which is the, uh, of course, the uh, <laughs> the shipping container issue and all that yeah. stuff. I actually we'll find that really Friday. interesting because everybody, look, that's one of those cause and effect things, right? Right, right, right. Us as a consumer are going to get charged if there's too much. We're going to get charged if there's not enough because right. there's all these little things that happen in the middle. Well, no, we'll jump into that on Friday. How's that sound? That'll work. All right, all right. folks. We'll see you next time around. We appreciate you. And uh, oh, wait, it's all Danny's forgot. fault. That's true. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> all right, folks. We'll see you.